You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. Happy Saturday to you. This is Fan Rack Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host, Al Melchior. And, uh, yeah, Christmas right around the corner, coming up on Monday. So you know what that means for this show, uh, which for a, a short time uh, is Saturday only. And uh, I'll I'll expand on why I'm saying for a short time. Uh, but that means for, for 2017, this is the penultimate show. And I never pass up an opportunity to use the word penultimate when I can use it appropriately. So, yes, there's this show. Be back here again next Saturday. And that'll be 2018. So all this 2018 stuff that we've been talking about for the last uh, several weeks will actually be in 2018. And then, you know, next thing you know, be spring training. So, uh Anyways, looking forward to all of that. But yeah, uh, after the new year, uh, we're going to be going to three times a week. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to heating up the hot stove with uh, three episodes a week here on FanRag Fantasy Baseball. But uh, we do have some news uh, in the current moment to get to. The big trade this week, and again, being once a week, I'm going to be dipping back a few days for some of these news items. But uh, the big Evan Longoria trade going from the Rays to the Giants. So uh, that's you know settling what uh, the Giants would do at third base. I think a lot of us were assuming it'd be Christian Arroyo, Arroyo but he's going the other way, going to uh, Tampa Bay along with Denard Spann and a couple of minor league pitchers, Matt Crook and Stephen Woods. Uh, so that was certainly the, uh, I think probably the, the highlight fantasy-wise uh, this past week, but also a couple of first baseman signings, Yonder Alonso. That one actually just getting finalized this morning, this Saturday morning, uh, with Cleveland for two years, $16 million, with a vesting option for 2020. And the Red Sox re-signed Mitch Moreland. I think that one, it certainly surprised me. I think it surprised a lot of people. Uh, Boston bringing him back for two years at $13 million. So I'm going to go over each of those deals in a little more uh, in a little more detail. Nothing yet with Garrett Cole and the Yankees, but that's been brewing for at least a couple of days. And some minor signings that we won't skip over here because uh, they may not necessarily be completely uh, irrelevant for uh, for fantasy purposes. So we'll get to a number of those. But um, I'm going to get to my New Year's resolution a little bit early, even though I do have one more show before the New Year's, and I am going to ask you for your fantasy New Year's resolutions uh, before the next show. I'm going to get to mine on this show, because I'm kind of eager to talk about it. Um, and also, I went on Twitter and asked you not about your resolutions, but about your guiding principles for the coming fantasy season. And the reason I asked you that is that that has to do with what my fantasy New Year's resolution is for 2018. So I will explain it all later on in the show, I promise. Also going to get to the third base landscape that I've been promising for a couple weeks. So lots to get to here, but first we do have to take a break, but much, much more when we come back.
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Al, get it. Anyways, thanks for tuning in this week. And uh, as I mentioned in the first segment, this is the penultimate show. It's also the uh, penultimate uh, week for the football season. And so really, this is your last chance to uh, get in on uh, the free DFS game that I've been talking about uh, all season long. So I'm going to give you just one last reminder here. You can go to either dailyroto.com slash DKMS or rotoexperts.com slash DKMS. And uh, that's where you will find a link uh, to Fantasy Draft. And they, along with Fantasy Sports Radio Network, are co-sponsoring, have been co-sponsoring a free DFS game the entire season. So this is the last week, week 16, where uh, there's going to be a, a new contest where you have a chance to win and uh, go head-to-head in a final, uh, in a week 17 uh, final matchup. And uh, then whoever wins next week in that uh, championship round, uh, that winner gets two tickets to Super Bowl 52 in Minnesota. So uh, go out there, get your lineup in, give yourself one last chance to win that prize. But while you're at either one of these sites, just take a moment and learn more about DKMS if you don't know about the organization, because uh, there's lots of information there in terms of what they do. Uh, in terms of their mission uh, to fight blood cancer, you can actually sign up as a bone marrow donor if you want. Uh, it uh, doesn't take that long, and uh, all the information is right there. You can make a donation. Uh, however you want to be involved, uh, there's there's information there on how you can do that. So, again, that's dailyroto.com slash DKMS and rotoexperts.com slash DKMS. Uh, anyhow. Let's uh, get back to some of those uh, items I was talking about earlier in the show um, from this past week. Evan Longoria going from the Rays to the Giants. Obviously, he's just going to slot right in uh, at third base there with Christian Arroyo. I would think uh, certainly uh, with the shot to be the Rays uh, third baseman. Denard Spann also going from San Fran to Tampa Bay. And then a couple of uh, minor league starting pitchers, Matt Crook and Stephen Woods. Uh, but Ilagoria in uh, 2015 had a bit of a bounce back, a nice, uh, a nice season in terms of power hitting. But that's been the exception for him. And I, I'll admit, it wasn't until this trade that I realized how much of an exception that was. He has had an isolated power, or ISO. I'm not sure why I went with the full name there, but he's had an ISO below 170 in three out of the last four years, including in 2017. So granted, uh, hitting at Tropicana Field for your home games is not really terrific for one's power, but it certainly didn't hurt Longoria that much earlier in his career. But uh, going to AT&T Park... It, that's really not going to 
I think, help him go in the right direction and turn that ISO around or turn the, the home run to fly ball ratio around uh, for Longoria. So uh, later on in the show, it's actually really nice timing for this. Uh, I am going to go through some of the, the tiers at third base and, and what the overall landscape looks like. And it's a pretty stacked position. And even without this trade, I think Longoria is somebody that you could have gone without drafting in a 12-team mixed league. And I think now, it's, if there was any question, given that I think he's going to a team that, uh, barring a bunch of other moves, and again, there's talk that maybe the Giants will get Jay Bruce, so I do want to make that disclaimer, barring other moves. But as of right now, it's not a great lineup, and it's certainly not a great park. And Longoria, if he's not giving you much power, it's not like he's going to help you uh, oodles with uh, batting average. So uh, production could be a little bit of a problem there, too. So I I just uh, it's certainly not a good fantasy move for uh, Evan Longoria. Uh, Zach Britton, here's a a bit of important news on him. And again, all all or most of these things are at least a couple days old because I haven't talked to you here on the station in a week. But in case you missed it, or in case you just want a, a reminder, I don't know why you'd want to be reminded of this, Zach, Bratton, Zach Britton ruptured his Achilles, and he's going to be out for six months. So right now, I think you would have to put Brad Brock at the top of the uh, list of closer candidates, at the top of the depth chart there for Orioles relievers. But there, Britton himself had been talked a bit about uh, as a trade candidate. Brock has been involved in some rumors. So I think that that's far from a settled situation, but Britain himself, even if he hadn't ruptured his Achilles, uh, the mocks that I participated in so far, he's been going pretty late. And I certainly viewed him as an injury risk coming into this year. He had two separate DL stints for a forearm injury, Last year, the second one, a very lengthy one. He also was out uh, at the end of the season with a knee injury, which brought Brad Brock back into the the picture for the last couple of weeks in Baltimore. So a lot of injuries for Britain. And then when he did pitch, uh, it was apparent that he wasn't really 100% was not his usual dominant self. So it's going to be another year, I think, where, well, certainly now that he's going to miss a lot of time, uh, I would think at least half the season that uh, Britain at this point would be undrafted, not just going late, but being undrafted. Uh, Getting back to those first baseman signings that I mentioned just sort of quickly earlier on the Indians uh, signing and today finalizing the two-year deal for Yonder Alonso. He's getting 16 million plus a vesting option for 2020. And the general takes that I've seen on Alonzo are pretty cold, pretty tepid. <laughs> uh, that uh, you know, he had that big burst of power in the first couple of months of the season. He was probably along with Ryan Zimmerman, you could say the the poster children for the fly ball revolution, if that's what you want to call it, uh, and or maybe launch angle revolution because it was certainly discussed in terms of launch angle and uh, stack cast metrics. But then uh, particularly over the last three months, he regressed quite a bit in terms of his fly ball rate. But the thing that isn't really getting discussed by many people that I'm seeing is that while he didn't hit as many flies late in the season 
over the last two months or so, he made a lot of hard contact. Now, it didn't really show up as much in the in the power numbers, but even if you just figure that those last, say, two months are going to be representative of what Alonzo will do for the Indians this coming year, uh, he's still a, a much, much more productive player than he was prior to 2017. That doesn't necessarily mean that if that's his level of production, that that's somebody you should be drafting in a 12-team mixed league. But he's certainly uh, in play in 14-15 team mixed leagues with that level of production that he showed in uh, August and September. But with a 40.7% hard contact rate over that two-month span, I think he might have been ripped off a little bit in terms of those power stats. So... um, I, you know, I, I, if I take Alonzo, it's going to be late. I think he'll be there very late in a 12-teamer. He may even be there late in a 14-teamer because uh, first base has gotten very deep again. But I just would not completely dismiss what Alonzo did earlier in the year. And we don't know how this is going to pan out. We don't know if he's going to go back to hitting all kinds of fly balls uh, with, you know, at a very extreme rate. We don't know if, if he can or will maintain that 40-plus percent hard contact rate that he maintained for a two-month period. It's really, really hard to know, and that is something I am going to be talking more about, not specifically in regard to Alonzo, but in terms of interpreting all of these conflicting scenarios, that that's something I I may want to handle differently in 2018 as I tease my New Year's resolution I talked about in the the first segment. But... um, I just think that we shouldn't just write off what Alonso did. It seems like at least some folks are writing off the success and the the power breakout that Alonso had early on in the season. Now, Mitch Moreland, I I do think it's a stretch to even consider him as a late-round sleeper in a 12-teamer. But I don't know that he will necessarily get that much attention in 14- and 15-team mixed leagues. Excuse me. But uh, I think he had some hidden success last year, too. Now, he maintained uh, his home run rate. In the four of the last five seasons, he's hit either 22 or 23 home runs. He had 22 last year, but he also hit 34 doubles, which is a, a career high for him by, by quite a lot. So there was added power there for Moreland, but he hit only 246. And he, to me, looks like somebody who's due for some, some pretty serious batting average regression. And uh, I want to give uh, a Twitter follower here some some kudos. Uh, Maximus Bart at Fantasy MLB MLB Nut zero nine, and he uh, tweeted me something about liking discounted players, uh, specifically Mitch Moreland for, as for a corner infield spot this coming season. Well, good for you, Bart. I'm with you there. Maybe not a, a corner field spot in a twelve teamer, but I think he's uh, going to be really underrated. Anyway, I'll dig into that a little bit more after the break. Got some other deals to check out. Uh, Much, much more. So stick around. I'll be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, 
or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Fanbrack Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And let's get back to the transactions from the last few days. Uh, I was talking about Mitch Moreland right before the break. And I just wanted to wrap that one up because I I, I really do want to underscore the point that I think he's going to be overlooked in mocks that I've done so far. far He's been overlooked. Uh, So he's got a two-year deal with the Red Sox going back to Boston. uh, $13 million for those two years. And so I mentioned hit a career high 34 doubles this past season, which prior to 2017, if you would make a prediction for Mitch Moreland based on going to Boston, say, oh, he's going to hit more doubles. He's going to play Fenway Park. Well, he took advantage of that. And yet he saw no loss in home run power. And again, not totally surprising there because of uh, the nice road venues uh, with Baltimore uh, Yankee Stadium, Toronto. Uh, a lot of those games on the schedule. But hitting just 246 with a 278 BABIP, there really isn't any reason why Moreland playing half of his games at Fenway Park, which is perennially right up there with Coors Field, one of the top BABIP venues in the major leagues. Uh, and, and it being a doubles haven certainly has a lot to do with that. Uh, so there's no reason. There's nothing about Moreland and his profile that says this is a guy who, with that advantage of playing at Fenway Park, is going to be a, a sub-280 or even a sub-300 BABIP guy. Just don't see it. So I think you're going to get more batting average for Mitch Moreland this coming year, more uh, power, or more, not necessarily more power production, probably similar power production to what he had last year. Maybe a few more doubles, though. Uh, if he brings that BABIP up, some of those extra hits would likely be doubles. So maybe a little bit more power, but more more run production with a significantly higher batting average. And you figure he's probably going to slot somewhere in the middle of the Red Sox order. I, I think their offseason is far from done. Likely to add another bat, big bat or two to that lineup. And maybe that sinks Moreland further down, but also probably gives them more RBI opportunities if, if they do that. So, yeah, first base is deep enough that I'm probably not targeting Moreland uh, late in a, a 12-team mixed league. But I think deeper, uh, he's definitely on my uh, sleeper list, on my late-round flyer list. Uh, some other deals from the past few days. The Brewers have signed Yulisha Seen for a two-year deal, $15.5 million. Uh, Pretty nice uh, season last year for the Padres, but you know, just about anybody uh, in fantasy, uh, either in a daily league or, or a league that's not super, super shallow, they they knew the drill with Chassin last year. He was really, really good at Petco Park and really, really bad everywhere else, just about. 
and very, very good against righties and not so good against lefties. So losing that advantage of pitching roughly half of his starts at Petco Park is really, really bad for Elisha Seen. Uh, I don't see him being fantasy relevant uh, this this coming year. Um, you know, maybe just again the occasional road start at a place like Petco or AT and T Park. That's about it for uh, for Elisha Seen. Now I did uh, mention earlier on in the show there is no Garrett Cole deal yet, but uh, just as recently as Friday. There were rumors that the Yankees and Pirates were really close, but the Yankees, not surprisingly at all, unwilling to trade Glaber Torres. But the Pirates apparently were asking. Can't blame them for asking. But Yankees with plenty of uh, other prospects to deal there, so uh, that trade would, would seem to be alive. I haven't seen anything as of yet today to indicate there's any change in the status. So it, it's not a dead deal, but it's also not close to being a done deal. But uh, this did give me an opportunity to to look again at Cole's 2017 stats and disappointing year for Cole. 4.26 ERA and a lot of home runs. And even in 2016, when Cole wasn't striking out as many batters, he could rely on one thing that was really consistent for him, which was preventing extra base hits and especially preventing home runs. Entering 2017, Cole's home run to nine inning ratio was 0.6. I mean, in in this era, last couple of years, with the increase in home run power, that is truly impressive. I don't care if you pitch a lot of games at PNC Park. That is really, really notable. And it more than doubled last year. It was 1.4. But uh, just like I was talking a moment ago about Yuli Shasin having struggles against lefties. Same deal for Garrett Cole. Not too bad against righties at all. Not as dominant as, as Shasin was. But against lefties, they hammered him for 1.7 home runs for every nine innings. So that's that's rough. That's rough. And he's going to have to reverse that. Uh, the damage was done very heavily on his four-seamer, although his sinker was also not as effective last year. But uh, I don't see any reason to think that, that Cole can't rebound. And he could be, could be a nice bargain. And... A couple of uh, much more minor deals. The Washington Nationals signed Matt Adams, so he's going to back up uh, Ryan Zimmerman at first base. I would think pretty much fill the the Adam Lind role from last year or this this past season. Uh, but Adams had a, a nice bounce back season, got to play pretty much every day in the absence of Freddie Freeman when he was out, and uh, showed a lot of power, and then sort of uh, just drifted back to oblivion not too long after Freeman came back. So I think it's going to be the same deal where uh, Adams won't get to play a whole lot for the Nationals unless there are injuries, but that is the squad that's had its more than its fair share of injuries. And when you're backing up Ryan Zimmerman, I mean, he had a fantastic bounce back season in 2017, stayed healthy, but I would still consider Zimmerman to be in an injury risk and Adams would not be a bad bat to pick up in a deeper league in the hopes that uh, he, he does find some playing time, whether it's, uh, backing up uh, Ryan Zimmerman if he gets hurt, or uh, you know maybe spends a little time in the outfield. Who knows? But uh, that's one thing to take note of. And Adams' former team, the Braves, a couple of signings uh, just today. A minor league deal for Danny Santana. That's a re-signing. Santana was with the Braves last year. Struggled with some injuries uh, down the stretch throughout the second half, but got off to a nice start and showed 
surprisingly good power for uh, for the Braves last season in a granted a limited role. But they also picked up Preston Tucker. And if you listen to last week's show, you might recall that I mentioned that Tucker was DFA'd by the Astros and that I thought that he could make a nice contribution for some team. He uh, could certainly you know, bounce back after a, sort of a disappointing season and, and hasn't been able to find uh, a, a role for the Astros at the major league level, but uh, was a regular a few years back. So uh, the Braves picked up uh, Tucker from the Astros for a player to be named later or cash. And most likely those two players, Santana and Tucker, both won't be able to crack the opening day roster for the Braves. Uh, None other than their uh, longtime beat writer, uh, Dave O'Brien from the Atlanta Constitution, has said as much on Twitter this morning. Uh, he seems to think that uh, Tucker would have the the upper hand over Santana. I'm certainly not going to doubt Dave O'Brien on that. I you know I, I would hope that Preston Tucker would get uh, a good shot at a significant role, if not a starting role. Uh, you know maybe some semi regular play in the Braves outfield. But I would keep an eye on Santana in case there was an injury there for the Braves that gave him a shot to make the roster, or if they cut him or traded him to another team that could offer him a a more significant role. That was really interesting to me that Santana uh, really showed some pretty good, good power last year. I did a a, a sort to look at who had the lowest soft contact uh, rate among major leaguers last year. Those who had at least 150 plate appearances, because I wanted to see where Santana ranked because he just didn't make much soft contact. It was much more hard contact. 391 hitters made at least 150 plate appearances last season. Santana had the 13th lowest soft contact rate. That's like the upper 3% for uh, for Santana in that regard. That's impressive. And you look at the the players uh, in the, uh, on the leaderboard for that. I mean, that's some really good company. And by the way, I just, this is completely uh, or you know, 95% uh, off uh, off tangent here, but uh, a player that I that surprised me that was really high on that leaderboard was Dominic Smith. He was fifth in that group of players with 150 or more plate appearances, uh, fifth lowest soft contact rate. The only players above him, Alex Avila was number one, and maybe that'll surprise you. Uh, you know, Avila made a lot of hard contact last year, so it's not really too surprising. Justin Turner. Miguel Cabrera and Joey Votto. And number six, one spot behind Dominic Smith, some guy named Aaron Judge. <laughs> so Smith did show surprising power in uh, the couple of months up with the Mets. But man, fifth lowest soft contact rate out of almost 400 qualifying batters. That's, uh, wow. That's going to make me look a little harder at Dominic Smith uh, in uh, those deeper mixed leagues. For this coming year, and and maybe uh, keep an eye on him, even in the twelve teamers, uh, you know, for a possible waiver move because I, I don't see Smith getting drafted. And one final transaction note here: Diamondbacks have signed signed right-handed reliever Yoshihisa Hirano for a two-year deal worth six million dollars, and that could wind up being impactful too because that uh, closer situation is pretty wide open. We saw how reluctant. 
uh, they were to use Archie Bradley in that role. Brad Boxberger's on the scene there in Arizona now, but uh, maybe he can make a case for himself, Hirano, in spring training for for some sort of high-leverage situation, if not the closer's role. And again, it's a long season with lots of turnover, so there is a name to watch. All righty. Well, that wraps up the transactions. But uh, coming up, I am going to reveal my fantasy New Year's resolution. I'm going to share some of your guiding fantasy principles that you shared with me on Twitter and a whole lot more. So I'll be right back. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And it's time. It's time for me to, to do a little sharing here as we head towards the uh, the Christmas holiday and head towards New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. I wasn't, it's not a thing for me to make, it's not a thing for me to make New Year's resolutions just in general. <laughs> I haven't done that in years, I don't think. But it's definitely not a thing. I've never sat down and made a fantasy New Year's resolution. What what do I resolve to do in the coming fantasy season? But just uh, you know, not really because it's it's the end of the year, but just because uh, you know I'm putting together uh, my offerings for the, the the coming year. I'm working on uh, projections and uh, rankings and and you know just thinking about what types of uh, columns of blog posts to write and all that sort of thing. So I've I've really been you know trying to take a, a look at it through a broader lens. And just sort of realized in putting the notes together for the show today, it really, in a sense, it is a fantasy New Year's resolution. And it's a big one. My resolution is to question as many of my guiding principles in playing, playing fantasy, as many of my assumptions that I make about how to evaluate players, question as many of those as possible. And I, I want to give credit where, where credit is due because um, – uh, someone that I, I, I play in a league with, uh, if you're listening, you probably know who you are, as <laughs> uh, much suggested something to me uh, several weeks back in terms of, uh, you know, something I could do to kind of take, take things up a notch and uh, kind of put, put that thought aside. And, and then, in, you know, thinking about, uh, again, projections and things like that, uh, it, it just came back to me. That uh, I this is I'm entering my 25th year of playing fantasy and sim games, uh, baseball specifically, and uh, I think it's time to shake things up a little bit. Every few years I, I do this a little bit, uh, especially if it's coming off of a, a disappointing year. Okay, what could I have done better? But just you know, as a, a few examples, so the the way that I do rankings, which are heavily based on projections, not solely because you have to take risk into account, but am I weighting projections too much or is there, there a, you know, a better way to go about that? The way that I evaluate breakouts, um, and I'm not going to, going to go into depth on any of these things because I want to save it for a later show, maybe do take one of these 
maybe make this an ongoing thing with each show or most shows where I take one assumption that I've made for years and revisit it and question it. Uh, and another one, and this uh, is going to be echoed in one of your suggestions in terms of what you use as a guiding principle uh, that I solicited on Twitter. One thing that that I've been doing in mock so far and very, very consciously doing it, and I did it last year in pretty much all my drafts, is passing up on the top relievers and thinking that it's really not a great use of my resources. I need to revisit that assumption. So basically just the, the assumptions that uh, have become so ingrained that I don't even think about them. It's like just like a knee-jerk automatic thing for me to not draft relievers is just one example. Uh, I'm going to put that under the microscope uh, this offseason and, and in the season. So anyway, like I said, I don't want to go too deep into that, partly because I've got lots more to get to here. I want to make sure I leave myself enough time to talk about the third base position. But I also want to make sure I leave myself enough time to share some of the guiding principles that you sent to me. Now, whether or not you're going to question these, that's up to you. But I figure through this process of questioning and reevaluating my assumptions, there are going to be some that hold up, and that's going to become the, the bedrock of how I evaluate players and how I make uh, decisions and set strategy. So I was just curious, what are some of the things that you consider to be core assumptions? Uh, and I got one response from a uh, at Mike Cardano. I think he's a, a regular sort of show, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, by the way, uh, Mike Mike's uh, Twitter profile is Fantasy Sports Radio Network pioneer and arch nemesis of Scott the King Engel. So, uh, literally a little inside baseball here. Anyhow. Uh, no, but Mike said, because he's a big fan of StatCast, he said, on the offensive side, it's all about exit velocity. For certain, don't even consider anything else. So, Mike, big continues to be a big fan of, of StatCast. But uh, here are some others. Uh, that might not, by the way, apply for everybody. That might just be just for Mike. Uh, but at 80 underscore J-Rod, getting back to that reliever thing that I was just talking about for myself, uh, he says, I try for one or two better skilled relievers in bullpens with a questionable closer to pair with a top 10 closer. That's pretty cool. I like that. And it, given that I'm going to put my tendency, which is actually sort of a, a weak way to put out a tendency, almost a hard bound rule for me not to go after a top 10 closer. So he not only does that and that, that that's a, a, a central part of what he does, but then pairs that closer with one or two high-skilled relievers who could be closers in waiting. Uh, that's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, all right. So this is, uh, I, I actually mentioned this earlier in the show, uh, at Fantasy MLB Nut 09. Uh, I love discounted players who were unlucky the previous year or finished strong the last two months, supported with uh, high contact rate, low BABIP, uh, with no significant injuries, and then parenthetically, uh, he's got here Mitch Moreland, 2018 for corner infield. So I I do like that as a uh, a particular application of uh, of this rule. Uh, that's pretty cool. But uh, so uh, putting some emphasis on the last couple of months if they if they were good, uh, high contact rate, low BABIP. So so basically, room for batting average positive regression. Um. If you're going to do that, like I said, Mitch Moreland's a, a great one to do that. Now, a, a uh, guest of the show, Nathan Dawkin from the Nasty Cast, 
his uh, guiding principle for picking players is how many puns can I make out of their name? But then he sent me another one to, I think to kind of just throw me off the scent of, of that one in case, you know, we're in a league together this year. <laughs> he said, honestly, though, one thing I look for is players that just make a lot of contact with low swinging strike rate. So very similar to the, the previous one, have some stolen base floor and are young with the ability to find power. Found the likes of Segura, Jose Ramirez and Jorge Polanco this way. So that's, uh, you know, again, it's that batting average, uh, positive regression possibility there with uh, precious steals tossed in the mix and some power. Uh, that's that's a great combination. I think it's it's hard to find those players. So, you know, if you were ahead of the curve on guys like Segura and Ramirez, that's, uh, you know, that's a great place to be. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, at Tim Townsend underscore 81, where they typically hit in the lineup and who is surrounding them. So different approach here. More of a uh, organizational environmental uh, outlook as opposed to, you know, a skills or a luck outlook. Um, let's see. We got uh, at DR Fleuron, and I hope I'm pronouncing the name correctly. From the pitching side, guys with higher K per nine and low walk rates who have not thrown a season of 180 or more innings at the MLB level in one season typically go super late, but high upside. Yeah, that's nice. That's that's a good one. That's uh, Brad Peacock, to me, would be uh, the maybe the uh, exemplar of of that approach this year. But uh, that, that's very true. That uh, you know you can find the maybe the next Robbie Ray uh, with that. And then finally at CWS or uh, at CW Sox fan, number one rule is he healthy? And that's what I probably could stand to build into my. Uh, decision making a little bit more um or at least you know keep keep good track of the risk that you take uh and, and not to have too much health risk uh on your roster but to, to, for uh for this particular uh, listener that's the number one rule is the player healthy so anyhow uh, i'd be interested to hear uh, more of your guiding fantasy principles what are the what's non-negotiable for you um, so, you know, feel free, free to send those to me at uh, Al Melchior BB uh, at uh, on Twitter. And also, and I'm going to be soliciting this on Twitter, but um, some of your uh, fantasy New Year's resolutions. I've never made one before. So if it's, it's your first time, you know, dive in. <laughs> it's uh, it could be fun and it could be, uh, you know, maybe it could be a good part of the draft prep. So uh, what are your guiding principles? What are your New Year's fantasy resolutions. All right. Well, I, this, I'm certainly not ending that discussion here. I'm going to end it for this show, but uh, in next week in the and in the weeks to come, I'm going to be revisiting these questions over and over. But uh, I do want to leave some time to talk about third base. Really, really interesting position this year. I started it, it off on the last show, so I'm just going to blow through these two first two uh, tiers very quickly. Uh, Arenado, Bryant, Machado, Donaldson. That's my big four in that order. I think there's not a lot separating them. I imagine I'm going to own a lot of Josh Donaldson because I don't think he's that far behind the other three. And yet in early mocks, he seems to be going a bit behind the other three. And not far behind, uh, blending almost right into that first tier, Jose Ramirez, uh, Anthony Rendon, um, and uh, Alex Bregman, 
Travis Shaw. And I talked a bit about Bregman and Shaw in the last show, so I'm not going to spend time on that today. But I do think that Shaw's a nice fallback there, much like Donaldson, if you, much as you can call first-tier guy a fallback. Um, you know, Shaw could kind of be that uh, that player for you if you miss out on the big four. But man, after that, it's really interesting. So many good uh, third-tier options. Justin Turner, Kyle Seeger, Miguel Sano, uh, who had shin surgery uh, a couple months ago, but uh, should be ready for, for opening day. Rafael Devers, Joey Gallo, Jake Lamb, Mike Moustakis, Nick Castellanos, uh, Eugenio Suarez, and Adrian Beltre. Look, at that. I read through, what was that, nine names in this tier? Before getting to Adrian Beltre, who I'm sure is going to be underrated and underdrafted yet again, uh, the Nelson Cruz of third base. Anyway, uh, I'll zero in on a few of these guys after the break, so don't go anywhere. I will be right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host, and I am in the midst of a bit of an overview of the third base landscape. So uh, we're going to finish up here. And the last player I mentioned right before the break was Adrian Beltre. Now, he only appeared 94 games last year. But, you know, aside from that, I mean, this, this guy just doesn't slow down. And he actually has had his highest OPS last year since 2012 but it's not as if he hasn't been really consistent uh throughout that time uh 312 batting average 383 on base 532 slugging last year 17 home runs in those 94 games 52 rbis um so sure he's an age risk he's a health risk uh i do believe that beltre could just kind of uh fall off the, the, the deep end production wise, uh, you know, at, at any time, but he's, you know, he's got to be drafted. And I imagine wherever he is drafted that the chance of him being a bargain as compared to being a bust is, is going to be really, really good. So uh, I don't know that, that you could say, well, you know, if you miss out on the really good guys, get Beltre, because like I said, I, I listed 18 third baseman before the break. I would be super happy have any one of them in a 12-team mixed league. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, I, I missed out on uh, you know Joey Gallo or a- a- Eugenio Suarez. So, you know, I guess I'll settle for Beltre. Uh, maybe it's just you pair him with somebody that you're not sure about, like a Joey Gallo, for example. Uh, you know, you're not sure if, if he's ever going to uh, help enough with batting average, you know, so th- that would be a, a sort of move that maybe I would look for. But uh, yeah, just don't over overlook him. And Nick Castellano, um, another one, sort of in that Mitch Moreland mode, mode 
let me say it again, Mitch Moreland mold. Harder to say than I would have thought. Uh, but at a higher level in terms of having a chance to really make a nice push in batting average this year. He's a line drive hitter. He does not pop out very much. The guy just profiles as a high BABIP machine and was only slightly above average last year with a 313 BABIP. Meanwhile, uh, emerging power. Granted, now the, the problem is as long as he's a Tiger, maybe there's not the uh, optimal chance for run production there. But uh, maybe that's something that causes Castellano to dip a bit in, uh, in ADP. And Rafael Devers, I, I worry maybe he'll go a little too early. He had a 342 BABIP. That's certainly Fenway-aided, but I don't know if he's going to... I mean, we haven't seen enough of Devers at the Major League level to know if he's the kind of hitter that's going to produce that kind of number going forward or if he's going to maintain the impressive power with 10 homers and just 240 plate appearances. But I, I would definitely take the under on him repeating a 284 batting average, and I'd probably take the under on... 275, which isn't that much lower, but I'm just saying I do expect some some batting average regression there, maybe some power regression too for for Devers. So I I see him and Castellanos uh, sort of going in opposite directions value wise. But again, this early one, we haven't had any real drafts or even that many mocks. It's a little hard to tell. But I'm going to throw one more name out there, even with upside, even if you project to the upside, this player doesn't hit break this, you know, top 18, you know, probably top 20. But Michael Franco uh, declined in each of the last couple of years in terms of fantasy value, but the the peripherals are incredibly steady. Now, even that's a bit of a disappointment because Franco's at the age where you'd like to see some growth at this point, but maybe he makes sort of an Elvis Andrus move and, uh, you know, fakes this out and takes that step forward with power. And meanwhile, he's due for some batting average improvement. So anyways, one more name to think about. Anyways, thank you so much for joining me. Good luck to you if you're in a fantasy football championship this weekend. And uh, Merry Christmas to all who celebrate. Happy holidays to everyone. Uh, Have a great, great weekend. Take care.